0: Come on, let's give the Lord our very best hand clap, maybe a shout. Father God, you reign above it all. You reign above it all. We came in here today carrying all kinds of things. Your church, carrying life, carrying the weight of it, carrying the unknowns, carrying anxiety. But we declare right now, you reign above it all. We trust that. We lay it at your feet. We thank you for the reality. That we can come to you, all who are weary and heavy laden. We can take your yoke upon us and we can lay the cares and concerns of this world down. We can cast our cares upon you. We're so grateful, King Jesus, that you reign above it all. Come on, church, one more time. Can you clap your hands for the Lord? So good to see you, all of our campuses. Why don't you say hello to somebody near you, give a high five or a fist bump, uh, maybe reach across an aisle, and then you can grab your seats this morning. You look great, church. If you're joining us online, we're so glad that you're here. If you're new with us in New Spring, we're so glad that you're here, and I hope you've been welcomed. And I'm not preaching today. I'm excited today uh, to be able to introduce to you in just a moment someone who is, that you're going to love. But here's what I wanted to say out front is thank you guys, church, for praying for our team that was headed to the Ukraine and Poland border this week. We had two pastors that are coming back later this week that have been over there all week long, and they've been uh, really doing an incredible work. We're going to share more details about that with you in the days ahead, and we're going to be assessing the team that potentially we could take back over there and partner with them, but church, I just want you to know we didn't have to stop and pause and and get all you guys around a Sunday service and take up a special offering. We were able just to respond like the church because you guys do such a faithful job of just giving your tithes and offerings. And we were able to bless so well this week a church in Poland that's right on the border. And so church, I just want you to know thank you. Thank you for the way that you give. Thank you for the way that you pray. And uh, we'll be keeping you updated more on that in the days ahead. Next week, we're gonna start a brand new series on men of God. So men, I hope you're here for it. Ladies that love men, I hope you'll get your husbands, your sons, your fathers here for it. I get to kick off next week's series uh, as we begin that, and that's what we're going to be in until we get to Easter. Five more weeks until Easter, church. Can you believe that? Five weeks until Easter. But today, you're going to get to hear in our conclusive week of the Everyday Church series from a man of God. And this man of God is a guy that... You uh, probably don't hear up here often. This will be the first time he's ever preached here on a, on a Sunday morning. You've seen him before because he's one of these heroes behind the scenes. And uh, he really is. He's one of our elders, he's one of our lead pastors. And I've had the privilege for the last several years of doing life with this brother. And you're going to enjoy it. So I'm going to let Michael Mulligan come out here. Would you put your hands together and welcome lead pastor Michael Mulligan? Love <laughs> you, And let me pray real quick, and then we'll jump into the word. Father God, I thank you for Michael. I thank you for what he means to this church. I thank you for the strength and the gift that he is, Lord. I thank you for the grace on his life. And Lord, we thank you for the story that he's going to get to share today. And Lord, I pray that you would build your church, God. That You would use him today to strengthen what you're doing in the kingdom of God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you, brother. Amen. Well, good morning, church.
1: Um, Like Brad said, I'm an operations guy. And I swear whenever I... Started my job at New Spring. I thought there was a biblical command that if if you have operations in your title, you never have to preach. (laughs) But here I am today. Hey, if this is your first Sunday, hey, we're so glad that you're here. Um, If I, like, screw up today, just come back next week. (laughs) I'm not a professional. (laughs) So there's no telling what I might say. And, hey, if you get offended about something, my email address is bradcooper at (laughs) yahoo.com. Just kidding, I don't know whose email address that is, don't uh, don't email them. But hey, so I am happy to be here today with you guys, and I'm excited to be able to to share with you guys a story that God's been building through our church really since its existence. But before I get started, I really want to take this opportunity to be able to introduce you to my family. So we're a family of six, and I am pretty good with numbers. Our six family members, this little miniature schnauzer that we have down here, his name's Murphy, but our oldest son is Ben, I look up to him. Uh, Mark, he's seventeen. So Ben's nineteen. Mark is seventeen, and then Sarah just turned twelve this week. And she always smiles. I'm so thankful for you, Sarah. I'm thankful for all my kids, but Sarah, you too. And then, and then in the center is Lori. So she's she's my wife. And this December, we will have been married twenty five years. <laughs> now, Lori, you got to understand. I've got an engineering background. I'm over finances for our church. So whenever it comes, Lori has had to put up a, with a lot over the years. Like when we talk about feelings, I'm like, what are feelings? <laughs> and I'm cheap. <laughs> I mean, even like the, the pants I'm wearing, I bought it at Walmart four years ago for 15 bucks on sale. I'm, that's not a joke, I'm seriously saying that. I mean, that's legit. Lori knows this. Um, but Lori, I'm so grateful for you for doing life with me. Yeah. Mm. All right, <laughs> let's jump into the message. She's a hero that's behind the scenes, and I'm thankful for you. Here I go, already getting emotional. All right, so we're in this series, Everyday Church, and I get to conclude this series this week. And we've been talking through the vision of our church. And our vision is we want to see everyone, everywhere, in an everyday relationship with Jesus. So we don't want you to live... uh, a disintegrated life, we want you to live an integrated life where when you're following Jesus, it's not just about what you do on Sunday, but it's about what you do all through the week too. And this week, I'm gonna be talking to you about a very simple thing. And it's a simple question, but it's a hard answer sometimes that God asks us in the moments of our life every day. So if you wanna live an everyday life with Jesus, there's many moments in life, He's gonna ask you, do you trust me? And the answer to that question is gonna make all the difference in your life. Whenever When the prophet Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 17, he said this, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. You know, I think we all want to be blessed or have God's favor. But it says here the requirement for that is trust in the Lord. And not only does it say you trust in the Lord, it says that you're, you're the foundation, your trust is the Lord's. And all throughout scripture, there's passage after passage of men and women after men and women that had to answer this question. I just want to briefly go tell you a couple of stories. There's a guy named Gideon. His stories in Judges seven or 6, 7, and 8. And Gideon was a warrior, and he was leading the Israelite army. But God asked Gideon to do something crazy. So the Midianites were attacking the Israelites. And what God asked Gideon to do was take his army of 32,000, which, you know, you want to be strength in numbers, right? He ended up through a series of tests cutting that army down to 300. And then he gave them... He he told them just to take jars or lanterns and ram's horns as trumpets to go into battle. That makes no sense at all. Go from 32,000 to 300 using weird weapons. But through that, when Gideon said yes, the army delivered. And the Midianites and the Amalekites were defeated. You can read the story there and and set off a a season of blessing for for the Israelites. Another story that if you've been in church for very long, you're familiar with. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, King Nebuchadnezzar in this story, Israel was in exile in Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar put out an edict that said you had to bow down to this idol. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said they wouldn't do it because their trust was in the Lord, the one true God. When Nebuchadnezzar got mad, threw him in the fire, but this is what's recorded in the scripture. It says that as they looked in the furnace, there weren't just three people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but there was a fourth person in the fire with them. And if you're joining the Bible recap with us this year, uh, TLC says something about God shots. Let me give you my God shot in this story. The God shot in this story is that sometimes we want to be delivered from the fire, but sometimes God wants us to bring us through the fire to experience his presence in a more deeper way. So what I'm going to be setting up today is that we all have fires in our life, but God wants to use that to grow us in our faith. So here's my question. It's very simply. That God is asking you, do you trust me? Now, what I'm going to be doing the rest of the time is telling you a story of God's faithfulness to our church. I was preaching this to Lori the other night, which in and of itself is kind of weird because I'm like doing exactly what I'm doing here. Um, you know, I repent. You know, and the Lori's like, huh? what'd I do? Um, but one thing she told me, she said, Michael, I love you. She said, but just tell them about God's faithfulness and his goodness. And don't make this into a business meeting. So, God is faithful and God is good. And look, I'm going to have some numbers and some charts up here because that is my love language. But uh, for the tens of you that love that kind of thing, that's awesome. For the other thousands of you that hate it, just listen to the story that I tell. And I hope that, that through that you hear that God is faithful and that God is good. All right? So, let's get started. So, well, Actually, before I do that, let me pray. Lord, we just come before you this morning just thankful. Man, my heart's full. I'm thankful for your goodness and your faithfulness to our church through these years. God, you've done so many amazing things. I pray in these next moments, God, that all the glory and the honor points directly to you. And nothing that New Spring has done, nothing that I've done, nothing that this team has done. But God, it's all because of you that we're able to continue. In name I pray. Amen. So New Spring started in the year 2000 with a bunch of college students. And this is an, a, 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 a trend of our attendance through the years. And it started with 115 people. Oh, sorry, sorry. It started with 115 people uh, in the year 2000, and it just has ex- exponentially grown. Matter of fact, this chart really doesn't do it justice. My family started attending in the 2006 frame, and this is what I'll tell you. It was like nothing I had ever seen. Man, period, he could preach. I mean, he would, uh, you know, it was relevant. It was in, in tune with what God, you know, And what we saw was amazing growth. We saw amazing life change. We saw all sorts of things happening. I never experienced anything like that before. Then fast forward a few years in in the year 2011, God asked me personally, Michael, do you trust me? And I had to make a decision and say yes to that question. And I left what I was doing. I had a good job that I had worked very hard to get to. um, And I had a promising future. But I said, God, I trust you in this moment. I'm going to go on staff where I didn't know what to do. I mean, I really didn't have any concept, really, of what the expectations were. But through that, over the next several years, we saw unbelievable growth. And in the middle of 2013, we were already over 26,000 people. Through this time, we were getting a lot of recognition from all over the country, which it can be a good and a bad thing. I mean, uh, but then... What we saw moving forward to 2014, we had grown from 115 people in 2000 to over 32,000 by January of 2014. Unbelievable. Like I said, I never experienced anything like it before. We learned a lot of strategies. We had tried a lot of things, and it seemed like God was blessing us about every turn that we took. But then in 2014, we went through a season where we tried some other things. Some things that had been working, but we added 100 staff roles because we had always wanted a higher head to prepare people to lead the people that would eventually come. So over the next two years, we added 100 staff. We started 10 campuses. We also built four permanent campuses. Typically, we would see in a permanent campus, whenever we moved from a portable campus to a permanent campus, it would double in size in two years. We also had a couple campuses under construction, and we spent $46 million on those construction projects. Excuse me, my throat's dry again i'm not a professional <laughs> whatever we fast forward over those 2 years if you look at what our all these things should have increased our attendance and we should have seen a lot of change through our church in january of 2016 we were basically at the same number this may be surprising to some of you cuz we had a lot of movement and a lot of action going on during this time but as a church, we really weren't growing that much. Now, we still saw, you know, people coming to know Jesus in amazing ways, and it was, it was awesome. But something was different, and it didn't seem like it, things were working the way they did at one time. You know, whenever I reflect back on this season, you know, it's, it's kind of confused me. It's like bittersweet. Parts of it I love, parts of it I am look back and I'm like, man, God, why were we making some of those decisions? Because I really do believe, I mean, we had good intentions in our heart. We just wanted to see people. We wanted to grow so more people could meet Jesus. We wanted to grow so more people, more people would grow in their faith. But the reality is, whenever I look back over this season, there were things that we did, too, that were kind of divisive. Either people loved us or they hated us. There weren't really people in the middle. And some people would hate us, come and visit, and then they'd love us. And some people would love us, come and spend a little time, and then they hate us. I mean, it was, it was the weirdest thing. But during this season, as I read through Revelation, there's several letters that are written to churches. There's seven letters written to seven different churches in Revelation. And there's one passage that's written in uh, Revelation 2, and it's to the church in Ephesus. And this is what it says. It says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. And I would say that was about us. I mean, we really had not grown weary. We were trying to, you know, to build the church, all that kind of things. However, this is what it says. But I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love you had at first. And what I want you to know is I'm not pointing the fingers at anyone. I was a part of all the decisions during this season of time. I'm pointing the finger back at myself, okay? But I do think that all the strategies we had that had worked for so long, all the things that we had learned that we thought was how you build a church, through it, somehow we were off a couple degrees and it really does, as I look back, seem like we had forgotten what brought us to the point where we were, and that we had given, you know, that we had f- forsaken our first love. What this goes on to say is that repent, or either I'm gonna take this blessing, or I'm gonna take that lampstand from you. So again, what, I'm not trying to point the finger at anybody, but I am saying that there was a season of time when we were doing, we had a lot of activity, and we had a lot of strategy, but we had forgotten our first love. Now you fast forward another six months. And July 10th, 2016 happened. If you're new to our church, about half of you weren't around during this time. And what I'll tell you, if you were around during this time, this is a a very monumental time in our church. This is where uh, we released our founding and senior pastor, Perry Noble. It was a very confusing and difficult time for me. Look, Perry and I went way back before New Spring Church. He was in my wedding, I was in his. So this wasn't just about him being my pastor and the decision I'm having to make about him being my pastor. It was also about a deep friendship that I had with him. But in those moments, God was asking, do you trust me? And as difficult as a decision as it was, whenever I looked at scripture and I tried to reconcile what was going on in his life, when it came to his attitude toward his marriage or his attitude toward accountability, we had no choice but to make the decision that we did. And it was very difficult, but God was saying, do you trust me? Now, look, I'm a numbers guy, you know, and I know what happens in a situation like this, typically. There were a couple other churches, nobody that was as large as us at 32,000 that had ever experienced this. But there was a couple other large churches that had. Some of them no longer existed. So I knew that the decision we were making had tremendous ramifications potentially. So we met with our leaders the week after that, and we sat down with them, and we tried to encourage, answer questions, all, that, all those sorts of things that you would do in a situation like this. But there was also, I sat down with them, and I said, hey, look, if our giving goes down 5%, this is the plan. If our giving goes down 10%, here's the plan. 20%, 30%, here's the plan. I at least wanted them to know that we've thought through this and we had a plan. But I, you know, you don't never want to end a meeting like that, right? I mean, you want to give people some like hope. <laughs> um, so so I asked, I asked people there, I was like, look, history would say that other organizations this has happened to, it was, you would you would say attendance is gonna go down. Giving is going to go down, all that kind of thing. But I said, can we be different, right? I mean, God's in this. Can we do something and can we be different? Well, over the next six months, our attendance dropped 30%. So we weren't different. We went from th- over 32,000 to 21,000 in a matter of five or six months. In addition, the number of givers that we had in our church dropped from 9,200, 9,300, then to less than 7,000. When you're over finances for a church, this isn't a good trend that you want, right? In addition to that, all the growth and all the things that we had done had amounted to $45 million in debt. This debt had to be, we were, under, we were doing something that was kind of like temporary financing that we had worked out with the bank. It had to be refinanced at the end of this year. Well, the bank comes to us and said, we're not gonna refinance you or we're not gonna give you permanent financing. But we will extend it for 18 months just to see if you guys make it. So like I said, whenever you're over finances for this church, this is a difficult season to be in, right? You know, whenever I think back through this time, when I think back through this time, all I could do many mornings was just get up, read my Bible, ask God to help. Next morning, get up, pray, ask God to help. Tell him how I was feeling I'm like, God, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Look at what I left, right? I mean, there were times when I'd be angry or mad at God, just trying to say, God, it wasn't supposed to be like this. Why are you letting us go through this? This doesn't make any sense. And you know what he's asking me in those moments? Do you trust me? You know, and your situation may not be what our situation was. But, you know, maybe you're, there's things going on in your mar- marriage. And you're like, God, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. I mean, maybe things in a business or in a job, God, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Maybe last week you were at the doctor's office and got some report, God, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. My encouragement to you is that get up tomorrow morning, ask God to help. Read read your Bible, read scripture. As he speaks to you, write it down. Get up the next day, read your Bible, ask God for help. If it says something to you, write it down. One thing I'd also encourage you, don't isolate yourself. One thing I'm so thankful for is that we had a staff that was unified and a leadership team that was unified. If it had splintered, it would have been very difficult for our church to move forward. But our staff was unified. So I had people I could come in and tell my feelings to. And there were people that I could come in and talk openly and honestly about what I was, felt like I was hearing from the Lord. And they could either confirm or not. So please don't isolate yourself if you're in a season like that. But in those moments, whenever it feels like everything is going in the wrong direction, as I was in my quiet time, I felt like the Lord spoke and, and confirmed it through the lead team, three things for our church when it comes to our finances. Number one, that we were going to start giving 10% away to other organizations. Up to this point, we've been given about 3% away. Now, those other charts I just showed you a minute ago, everything going in the, in the wrong direction, this seems like the absolute not the thing that you would do, as far as in the way, as a finance person, you would think that you would need to give more away whenever we're going through some of the most difficult times we ever have as a church. But it wasn't about the money, it was about control. And it, it was God asking us, do you truly trust me and am I in control or are you in control? So we started doing this. Um, the next thing was no new debt. Well, honestly, this one wasn't too bad. Nobody was gonna give us any money anyway. I'm just being honest, but at some point, hopefully, we would turn the ship around. And uh, whenever it came to trying to get some of our campuses into buildings, I really felt like God was leaning and saying, "Trust me for the provision." Then the third thing is, and I like this one because what cash flow is means that you had money left over at the end of the month from your income versus minus your, minus your expenses. And it's and I felt like the Lord tell us that take half of your cash flow, pay down debt. The other half uh, saved for campus expansion. So these were the three principles that he gave us. In January of 2017, this is what we started living on. We started giving 10% away. Then we also weren't gonna take out any more debt and we were gonna start splitting our cash flow. There was one other thing I heard in these moments that to me seemed impossible. And this is what I heard. New Spring will be out of debt in seven years or within seven years. Now in the moments... That we, I mean, like if I take you back to that time, look, I'm getting emotional a little bit while ago just because I can remember what it was like. It's like this didn't make any sense to me. It's like, am I really hearing from you, God? So I go to the lead team and I say, hey, this is what I hear. And I don't know if it's right or if it's wrong, but let's test it and let's see what happens. But I'm going to have faith that God's got something more for us. So what's happened since that time? We started in January 17th, start giving uh, 10% away. Do you know that we've given money to over 640 or 643 organizations? I didn't believe this number at first when they gave it to me a month ago. And I said, y'all got to go back and make sure that's right. The other thing is over 100 of these were churches, which in our history that we wouldn't have been doing that. But through this time, God was teaching us that we needed to have a kingdom mentality, that sometimes our focus was was too close minded that we had to open up and see what God was doing everywhere and not just what he was doing here. Hey, some of the organizations that we partnered with, Crossover Global, you've heard us talk about them before. They're in countries that you and I can't go to, primarily Muslim countries. The faces are blacked out in these pictures because if it was found out that they were having a house church in their, uh, in their nation, they would either be tortured or killed. They've planted over 2,900 churches uh, across the world in that. Care for AIDS, another fantastic organization that goes into the slums of Africa and goes in and helps people that are devastated by the AIDS virus. Through, through their program, they partner with a local church. They have a program that people go through that have the AIDS virus. They've seen 22,000 people graduate that program. But this is what's amazing about it: is that we've seen over 70,000 children that didn't become orphans because their mom and dad didn't die. 70,000 children through this organization have been impacted. Your giving has helped us get the, helped us see this happen. Rock RMS, many of you guys don't know about this, don't really care about it. It's close and near and dear to my heart. It's basically some software that runs in the background that helps a church manage check-ins you know, for your kids, some safety things, some different stuff. It's, a, it's an organization that we partner with with three other churches to write software for the church by the church. So we were a vital part of this And through the years, this has grown to where most of the large churches in the country now use this. And it's impacting millions of people every weekend. You know what I love about it? New Spring's name is nowhere on it. But if it wasn't for us, it either wouldn't exist or it would definitely not have the impact that it's having today. But our name's not on it because it's about building kingdom. It's not just about New Spring Church. Now, so through this, we were obedient to God. We started when it, when it didn't make sense to start giving 10% away. Next, what I want to do is show you that whenever we started being obedient, what happened and how God was faithful to us. This is our Greenville campus. This is a story in and of itself where there were a group of people at Eastland Baptist Church that had to answer that same question, do you trust me to the Lord? And when they said yes, they, we, we partnered together. New Spring Church had to say, do you trust me? Because Moving into an, an old Baptist church like this wasn't really what we did as a church, but we said yes. And through this partnership, we've seen amazing things happen. We've been able to go in here with cash. We paid $14 million to upfit that facility, which is amazing. And you know what I love about this facility? There's a wall that, that, that gives the history of the church and it goes back like 40 or 50 years. There's legacy here and there's gonna be more legacy that's gonna be built. I hope that all of our campuses at some point have a wall in them that shows 40 and 50 years of history of how we begged God for things. We saw him come through and man, we were able to move forward and expand the kingdom. Man, that's my prayer for us as a church. Next, similarly, Radiant Life and New Spring had similar visions. They had a building and we partnered together with them. We combined congregations and this is our Northeast Columbia in, um, in, in Columbia. But... Um, Cash, we paid cash for it. it was, well. They, they gave us a building, we paid their loan off and we upfitted it with cash. Our Hilton Head campus, a couple years ago, we, we raised money in our overflow offering. So if you gave to overflow a couple years ago, you helped Hilton Head uh, purchase this building and get into it. It was about four and a half million and God's doing amazing things there. And we paid for it with cash. God provided, he was faithful. This past year, we raised money for our Aiken campus. This is the land right here. We actually close on it next week. So we're buying 42 acres. You can see back here, there's there's gonna be tons of development back here, Um, but this is on the bypass there in Aiken. So we have 42 acres here on the corner. That's just gonna be amazing to see what God does next. So we're gonna be able to pay cash for that land and we're gonna be able to have a couple million dollars to start this project in terms of some of the grading and some of the pre-work that we need to do before we build the building, hopefully in 2023. So through this, we've been able to see amazing things. This is our debt. And man, I I don't get emotion, I don't know, I may get emotional looking at this chart because I'm like, (laughs) you know. Because in January of 17, I remember, that's not that long ago, It's five and a half years, 45 million dollars of debt, all those other things I shared with you earlier. To see that through the years, we've been able to get our debt down to 11.3 million is unbelievable. unbelievable and you know what it started with a question do you trust me and us saying yes but it was more than that it also started with this number here 10 percent where God said do you believe me and is your trust going to move into just something that you say to something that you do and as a church that's what we did there's no command in scripture that says a church needs to give 10 percent there is for me individually but not for a, a church but we felt like it was so important for us to show God that we trust you in, in the situation. You know, the other thing it did when we gave away 10%? We had to look hard at the other 90% that we had. Because if we didn't manage it well, this could be, have been a different story. So we had to set up parameters for how we were going to do our staffing costs, how our ministry costs were going to operate. And we've worked hard on the expense side of the equation, too, through this season to be able to see. But I also want to thank you guys that give. Because of your generosity, We've been able to see these things happen in our church. Without you, it wouldn't have been possible. Now, where do we go from here? In 1999, a group of college kids got together and started New Spring Church. When they were getting together, they were talking about what New Spring's name should be. It was a guy named Terry Wood that brought this passage of Scripture and said, maybe New Spring would be a good name for our new church. This is what it says. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. When I look at that and think that God gave this verse to him in 1999, and I look how prophetic that is for where we are today, I mean, I'm blown away what God's been doing in our story. Because all those things I just showed you is where he's made a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I mean, it's amazing. He's always, he's been continually doing new things inside of our church. You know, whenever I sit here and it says, do you not perceive it? I don't know where you are with our church right now, but let me tell you, I'm more excited about the future of our church today than I ever have been in the history of our church. And I don't know if you perceive it or not, because we, this series, we've talked about numbers, but literally we don't talk about numbers very much anymore. But do you know, last year we had 870 people baptized We had over 1,100 people in a year of COVID that completed our Connect class or the four weeks of our Connect class to take a step into getting more engaged in our church. God is doing some amazing things here. What I'll tell you, what we've seen by having a kingdom mentality, those stories I told you earlier were just a few, like with Care for AIDS and uh, Crossover. Man, so many more of our partners are just community partners. I mean, it's been amazing to see what God, God has done here. Now, where do we move forward? It said, remember not the former things. So those are the good things I just told you about, about all the stuff, how, how God has carried us through, through through this season. Our vision 2030. This is what we want to see. We want to get out of debt and have zero debt. We want these four campuses to move into permanent locations. Right now, they're in lease facilities. And then we also want to plant at least 10 new campuses or 10 new churches. These are not new spring campuses. These are new expressions of what God is, wants to do in the earth. And we're going to help raise those leaders up. We're going to help fund these church plants. So we're real excited to be able to see what God does with this. Here is a way we might see that happen. And we're going to, we're going to move at the pace that God provides. So if he, if, if he provides, I mean, we're going to move faster. If, he, if it doesn't, you know, if things don't go as, as fast, it'll be okay. But first what we're going to do is eliminate our debt. So step one is getting out of debt. we got $11.3 million left. After that, we're going to start construction on our Aiken campus while simultaneously beginning to plant those churches that we talked about. The church plants are going to happen continuously. After that, we'll move it to Charleston, Myrtle Beach, and Lake Wiley, and other places. Now, we may also start some other campuses. We haven't decided that yet or not. But we're going to move at the pace that God provides for us. Now, Psalm 37 5 says this Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. It says, He will act. It doesn't say he might act. But this is the other thing I'll tell you is, it says he will act, but the way he acts isn't always the way we necessarily want him to act. I mean, even whenever I look back over the last five and a half years, he's definitely acted on our behalf. And it hasn't always been the way that I wanted him to act. But he's been faithful and he has acted to bring us to the place where we are today. And earlier, whenever I told you guys about me meeting with the leaders, of our, or the leaders of our staff. At the time, right after in 2016, when, when everything got crazy, I said, can we be different? Can our attendance not go down? Can our you know, giving not go down and all that kind of stuff? I had the wrong perspective in that time. I was looking very external, but you know what? Whenever I look back at that question, I think back, God, it was the right question, but I just had the wrong perspective. And through this season, just like with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, sometimes we want to be delivered from the fire, but God wants us to go through the fire so we experience his presence in a deeper way. That's my story. You know, I didn't want to have to go through the fire. We didn't want to have to go through the fire. But it was through the fire that we've seen a different view of God. And it's been amazing. And I'm so thankful for the fire that we had to go through. Now, when you look at how our church is different, we used to say it's all about Sunday, which... It's okay, but it's not all about Sunday. It's about all, you know, however many hours there are in the week. I'm nervous, so I can't remember how many hours there are in the week right now. That's weird. I can remember certain numbers. I can't remember that. 168? No. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Is it 168? Whatever. Um, (laughs) But can we be different? Look, we want you to have an everyday relationship with Jesus. It's not, I mean, Sunday's important, and we talked about that last week. The gathering is important. But what you do at your work matters. What you do in the relationships that you have with your family or in others, it matters. And this question of can you trust me is so important in terms of whenever you're in moments that you have to make a decision and God asks you, can you trust me? You gotta answer yes to it. It seems simple, I know it's difficult. Now, as we begin to close today, you know, we've talked about, can, can, can you trust me? And this is what I want to tell you. Number one, I hope that the story that I've shown you shows that God has been faithful to our church. God's been faithful to us. And I hope it builds your faith in where we're, where we're moving forward. But if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today might be the day that you, the answer to that right there for you made you becoming a follower of Jesus. We're gonna have a time of invitation here in a moment. And um, if that's you, awesome. You can come down and and talk to someone, or you can talk to anybody that has a green tag after the service, and we would be happy to sit down with you and and help you see that. But the next thing that I want to challenge some of you guys with, and I want to ask boldly, and I know this is my first time ever preaching, but I'm asking you for $11.3 million. I'm not laughing. Actually, I am. But legitimately, the debt on our church, to me, there's some symbolism in it of who we were, and we want those chains gone to who we're becoming. And, you know, I, don't, I can't project what the future is gonna be, but what I do know is when chains are gone, freedom exists. So our next step as a church is to get out of debt, and right that now, that means that we have 11.3 million to go. So we'll see what happens after that, but what I want you to understand is, number one, If today you're not giving, why don't you choose to trust God and tithe? I know it's a big ask, and I know this is my first time ever preaching. I shouldn't probably be talking about money, but I'm going to for a couple of minutes. Through a dark season for us, we trusted God and said he was in control with our finances. And through it, we've seen tremendous blessing. I want that for you. Look, I believe that our debts can get paid off without you if you choose not to. But you know what I want? I want at the end of the year, whenever we're able to celebrate the miracle that it will be that our debts paid off, that you to be able to celebrate too because you participated in the miracle. It wasn't somebody else that did it. You did it. So if you're not, if you're not tithing, that's giving 10%, I'm just going to challenge you to try and just do it. Trust God with it. I, maybe I, look, I've been tithing since I was 19 years old. Lori and I have been tithing since we've been married. I don't say that any kind of boastful way. I say that just to say this. I've never regretted it one moment. And look, and for the majority of those years, for the majority of those years, I was not on a church staff. So don't think this is some preacher up here. I'm not really a preacher anyway, but don't think this is just somebody up here that's, you know, works for the church and wants you to give to the church because he works for the church. That's not it. I want something for you. There's another group of people I'm gonna speak to You've been faithfully given to this church for years. Number one, I wanna tell you, thank you. I mean, your faithful giving to this church has helped us experience what we, I was able just to share. And without you, we couldn't have done it. And from the bottom of my heart, I say, thank you. Man, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to be a part of this staff. I mean, it's an honor and a privilege. Man, my voice is changing. that's weird. But it's an honor and a privilege to be a part of this staff. And thank you for being generous to us and for giving and helping us through the season that we've been through. What I'm gonna ask you next though, is would you consider sacrificing something to help us get out of debt? I don't know what that is for you. But over this next season, would you increase what you give each month to help us get out of debt until we get out of debt? What I can promise you is when we're out of debt, all the money we've been using to pay down debt is gonna go to, doing those other, funding those other things for Vision 2030. But would you sacrifice? My family will be doing that. Our staff is going to be doing that. We will be partnering together to see a miracle happen and see this $11.3 million gone. Now, as I close, there's two questions that we always ask you at the end of the service. What's God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? So i pray for us. And we're gonna gonna have a time that we're gonna sing a song called, I Trust You. It's actually a song that was written in this house. Our new spring worship team wrote this song. And it's just a declaration to God that no matter what, we're gonna trust you. So let me pray for us. Dear Lord, man, I thank you. Man, I've seen you do so much. And I know, God, you got so much more planned for us. I just wanna tell you, thank you. And God, As I've seen your faithfulness, Lord, it's been incredible to be able to experience. I ask God in these moments, Lord, will you challenge people? Will you help them to see what we see and how we've seen you come through in so many ways and just to be able to trust you? God, I pray, Lord, that you would convict hearts, but you'd also encourage hearts as we move through this time of invitation. Yes, in your name I pray, amen.